Is nuking my savings to buy a house worth it? Taken from r slash personal finance and feel free to submit your own personal finance stories at 40inbox.com. So my parents and my boyfriend's mom have been getting on my case about buying a house. I've given it some thought and I don't think I'm ready. I grew up poor, and now that I have a good chunk of money saved, the thought of dumping it all in a down payment honestly scares me. Being financially secure is something that I value a lot. If I bought a house and got in an accident or something, I wouldn't have any money to cover an unexpected expense for a few months. On top of that, my boyfriend and I don't want to stay where we're currently living long term. He followed his mom's advice and bought a condo as soon as he could. Now that we want to move, he doesn't really know what to do about it. He's only owned it a year, so his options are to sell and break even or figure out how to turn it into a rental property. His mom is especially pushy about me buying, and when I explain the above points, she says that I should still buy a house or I'll never be able to afford one later. She says that just because I buy a house, that doesn't mean I have to live in basically it forever. But shouldn't you plan to live long term in the place you're buying? Is it really worth it to buy now and go through the hassle of renting the house later? What would your advice be? Again, this was taken from r slash personal finance and feel free to submit your own personal finance stories at 40inbox.com. Now some relevant info. I barely have enough to put less than 10% down on the house where I currently live and my job guarantees a raise every year. This could potentially help me keep up with the price of housing when I do decide to buy. So let's get into the answer for this situation. And feel free to give your thoughts as well. Or share this with someone that might it might help. So the answer. Yo, yo, human. Do not ever buy a damn thing when you are not ready to. Because I honestly hate seeing people in these types of situations where, like, you don't want to spend your money. Like, you don't want to, like, let's let's use a different example, right? Let's say that you've saved up, you know, $20,000 for, like, you know, your emergency fund, right? But then someone ends up basically trying to tell you, like, oh, you should go buy a brand new car, right? But you already have... A car that freaking works, right? Why the hell would you go buy a brand new car just because someone else told you, right? And then people end up trying to pressure you into doing something that you're like, no, I don't want to do that, right? So a house is a massive purchase. It's not like a damn goldfish that people flush down the toilet to goldfish heaven. When you do buy a house, always aim for 20% plus or just straight cash to avoid the headache of PMI. Now, obviously, if someone's like a numbers person, they're going to be like, oh, no, you could just, you know, increase your net worth with like such little amount of money down, yada, yada, all this other stuff. Right. And people have different opinions on this. But 
the way that I see it, this might be different to a lot of people, but I think people undervalue the the impact of freedom, right? Because let's say that you are able to save 50% for the price of a house. Your monthly bill, your, your housing bill, is going to be so cheap, right? Let's say that you could end up putting 100% down on your house, right? That would free up such a monthly inflow of cash that you can literally live almost however you want, especially depending on the cost of your house, right? Because in most cases, in most people's situations, you're typically looking at like a $2,000 per month house mortgage, right? And that's usually with like a 20% down payment. And again, I'm saying like for like the most per, like the most common type of situation, it could be lower than that. Some people end up spending like 4000 per month, $6,000 per month on like housing, right? So you got to keep that in mind. It's like, imagine what you could be doing with that monthly inflow of cash that typically you would just be, you know, spending, right? Like imagine if you had like an extra $2,000 freed up, you could completely fund a Roth IRA. You could completely fund, you know, index funds that you just want to like grow and stuff in different like industries, right? You could go yellow it on like some weird altcoin and cryptocurrency if that's something that you like to do, right? Which I don't recommend, but I'm just saying like this is like the options available to you, right? So just keep that in mind. Not having a huge housing cost frees up a lot of cash. By the way, when are you getting hitched to your boyfriend? Because you leave yourself up to a lot of issues if you're not married but living together. And in some states, correct me if I'm wrong, but in some states, if you live with someone for, I think, three years, you're technically entitled to, like, half their stuff within that property or all that kind of stuff. It's like some states have, like, a really weird type of property laws and all this other stuff, right? So basically, I think it's, like, in some states, you can, like, live up to, like, two years and 364 days under the same roof. And then, like, if one of you just, like, ends up, like, like leaving after that, 364 day mark you technically don't have to split anything or they don't have the they don't they're not able to claim any ownership of your property or anything like that like it gets really really weird when you end up living with someone and you're not married right i'm not saying you have to get married but i'm saying like living under the same roof and not being married is odd like like it's going to like create a lot of odd issues that will end up coming around, right? So just keep that in mind as well. For anyone in that situation, like it's going to have like some really weird situations with that. Like a whole ton of financial and legal issues can come from this. So you're not dating his mom. You're dating the dude who can't stop sucking his mama's teat. If he does every single thing that his mom says and does not think of his own future... That will or may become an issue in the future. Now, we've all seen people like that. We 
probably have friends like that or we know people like that where they basically rely or do every single thing that one of their parents tells them to do or someone like it could be like a friend but most likely it just could be like a friend's parent ends up doing that to them it's like oh yeah yeah hey uh you should just go and eat cake all day obviously that's like a bad example but i'm just saying like some people just eat cake all day right like another example which more people might be like more familiar with if you ever seen that TLC show six my like 600 pound life or like the 1000 pound sisters with those two really chunky sisters right especially one that's like super 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 chunky that's dating the super 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 skinny dude a lot of those issues yeah they're genetic but at the same time they basically do whatever they're mom says they basically do whatever their parents say and it it just makes them get into like a really weird mental state and they end up doing like really bad decisions or like like not just like one bad decision but like continuously bad decisions like every year every day every month and so on and so on and so on and so on right there's also situations where you know basically a parent will basically just tell their kid like, oh yeah, go into $100,000 in student loan debt because there's no other possible way for you to actually go to college and get a degree, which is completely not true. You can literally go to community college and in most states, you could actually go to community college for free. Like I believe even in California, I think every community college you can go for free. There's a lot of options available to first-time students for community colleges in other states. So there's a lot of options available to people if they just are aware of it, right? And they're not just, you know, sucking on mama's teat, basically doing everything that she tells them to do, right? So just keep that in mind. Like, there's, like, a lot of people just follow along with their parents, which obviously, you know, you want to love your parents, you want to respect your parents, but at the same time, you got to be like, hey, Stop, right? I'm going to go make my own choices. Now, also, your parents can also not live your life. And we've all seen those, like, helicopter parents. We've all seen those, you know, parents be like, oh, you got to be a football player that could, like, you know, tackle, like, 20 dudes on the field and all this other stuff. You got to be a pro football player. I don't know. You got to be a doctor, a lawyer, you know, be a lawyer. No, you're going to be a lawyer, period. Actually, no, no, no. You're going to be a doctor. No, more specific. More specifically, you're going to be a doctor of like dentistry, right? Or no, you're going to be a cardiologist, and you're going to be on call, and you're going to go into three hundred or four hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. But you're going to be a doctor, you know, because that's how you're going to be rich in your life. Like we've all seen that kind of stuff. But the thing is, your parents again don't live your life. So financially speaking, yes, not buying a home is kind of like burning money. But it depends, again, on your personal situation. Remember, personal finance is personal. So if you want the freedom to move from state to state, country to country, and to be able to grab a backpack full of clothes and literally leave at a moment's notice, go rent because buying a house should be if you're planning on staying somewhere for five plus years. Now, that being said, this could also just be a situation where you want to maybe move to like different counties within your state, 
right? Like it could be something as simple as that. Or you might want to like, like it might be a situation where your job might offer like, you know, better pay if they offer you like a certain like position to like a location, maybe an hour away from where you're currently are at, right? But if you are living in a house at this specific location, you may not actually end up going to go to that other location, even though it's only like an hour away for the higher pay because of you having to deal with your house, right? So there's always something to really think about, which a lot of people do not think about, right? Typically, buying a house is a very good option, right? But if you're like in a field where you are either moving or there's a high potential of you moving, or if you're just someone who prefers the flexibility of being able to just do whatever you want, basically, at a moment's notice, renting is more so a better option, right? For example, if you're in the military, it almost makes no sense to buy a house because typically you're basically moving to different states or even different countries like every two to three years, right? So most likely you're either going to break even or lose money every time you move or you're going to be forced to run out your property, which doesn't make any sense, right? What, you're going to like have a property in the States, be a landowner, and you might be like, you know, positioned in like, or I should say stationed in like Germany or China or Australia. Like it doesn't make any sense, right? So you got to think about what your personal your personal situation is, but also your habits. Like, what are you actually wanting out of life, right? Like, if you're not wanting to deal with the maintenance of a property, don't buy a house. If you're not wanting to deal with just, you know, the property taxes, all this other kind of stuff, right? Fixing, you know, a broken AC, all these other kinds of things, right? Then just rent, Right? Because you could always end up renting like a really cheap location and just have a higher, basically, uh, cash inflow difference, right? So you can, you can basically, you know, cater to what you're really wanting out of life, right? If you're wanting to just put a lot of your money into investments and not bother with taking out a loan for a house or all this other stuff, you could go do that. You could literally put a whole bunch of money into like S&P 500 index funds and all this other stuff, grow your money that way. Because a lot of index funds have like a track record of like 5, 10, 15 years of returning more than 6 or 8% annually, right? And that's pretty hands-off, right? Because if you get into a situation where you're buying a house and then you end up being forced to rent a house and then you're still going to have to move to a different area, you got to deal with tenants. You got to make sure that things actually, you know, got someone in there paying you stuff. You got to actually make like certain that you're actually getting paid And depending on the state that you're in, like we're just using California as an example because they have super weird laws. If you have like like no tenants in California, well, basically if a tenant in California doesn't pay you, it's going to be a very big pain trying to get them out of there, right? So there's a lot of things that like come up that you don't really necessarily think about. Whereas like with a renter, you don't really got to care about any of that. You just got to care about, okay, I signed like a one-year lease or a six-month lease, okay, go ahead and do that. And also, you could always just pay like probably, there's usually a way that you could get out of a lease early. You got to pay, 
usually a certain amount of money, or you could just have someone do like a weird thing where they could just end up paying the rest of your lease, basically move in in your place, right? That's also an option as well. So just keep that in mind. There's options available to you, but if you are not the type of person that's actually really going to ever settle down in like a single place, renting is probably honestly better. So go do you, you boob. Feel free to become a member. Support this content in the description. Check out 40 to master your money, personal finance lessons, personal finance courses. Contact us with your personal finance question or story. And again, remember this always if you end up listening to this and all that kind of stuff. One, feel free to share this to someone who might actually learn something from this or get a different perspective. But also, remember this. This is first and foremost. Personal finance is personal. Everybody's situation is different. So you got to figure out what is the best route for you. Yes, you can like follow like a foundation and everyone should, right? And we're going to build like a foundational like mastering your money kind of program so that everyone of like basically every walk of life can get basically a simple breakdown of like, okay, what should you kind of do? Like what kind of steps you should do? And we're going to build that. But you got to understand, even that's the case, you should still follow it, but you still got to do certain things as to what's best for you, right? You always got to keep that in mind. What is best for you, not for your mom, not for your dad, not for your fur baby, dog, cat, piglet with a hairy tail or something, right? Or like the weird dog that looks like a bear, right? Which, by the way, I've seen like a clip of that. And there's like a dog that quite literally looks like a bear. The thing's like 200, 300 pounds or something. It's like super massive and thick, like super thick right but either way like again personal finance is personal so no one can live your life only you can make your choices just try to make the best choice for you for the path that you are trying to go for for that end result that you're trying to go for and again this is something like it's like a lifestyle that you got to decide right with all this kind of stuff it's a lifestyle like what are you going to want to do for the rest of your life my wife bought a car so taken from r slash personal finance and feel free to submit your own personal finance stories at fornamebox.com. So my wife bought a car, basically sight unseen from an individual in Tennessee. She gave them the money and took the car, but when the title came up, they said they had it packed up from recently moving and that they would dig it out that weekend. They have now cut off all communication with her. Is there anything we can do to get this vehicle in her name so she can get plates for it? Answer. For someone in this situation, the best option is 1. Ask the police or DMV or both if the vehicle is stolen. Show proof of a point of sale receipt if you do have it. Then weigh the different options available to you. The reason you should do like go like a more formal route about this by going to the DMV or the police or both is that every state is different for how they deal with car sales, the legal aspects, whether or not the person committed a felony or was just stupid. If there is a lien on the car and so on. 
So the best option is to lay it out and get all of the options available to you. Some states just allow you to submit a form to basically just make the car yours in a simple sense, right? I I believe in some cases you can literally just submit a form and then it goes through this process and then basically potentially like three weeks from the that point or maybe like a month from that point, you could end up getting like brand new tags for the car under your name and all that kind of stuff where it's all legal for you to actually drive it and all that kind of stuff, right? But again, Every state is like different in how they kind of like deal with this stuff. And also, I believe this car set was basically across state lines. So that's also potentially a weird thing as well. So just keep that in mind. Now, this is not always the case. So just do your due diligence. And next time you want to buy a car from a private sale, you can probably offer a local dealership some cash to handle the transaction on your behalf, basically the paperwork. So that they could basically, you know, dot the I's, cross the T's. It might cost a little bit extra, right? I don't know the exact amount. It depends on basically the dealership. But dealerships probably would not say no to having some extra cash on the side for like something simple like this, right? Because they just transact with cars so often. They might be like, oh, yeah, just do this, do this, sign this, have that person sign this. And we'll just make sure everything's okay. And you just give us like, I don't know, like a couple hundred bucks or a grand or something. And this could save you a lot of headache, right? So just keep that in mind. It's an option. Now, they will make some money for just pushing papers and you get the peace of mind. So good luck and make sure to love your wife because, yeah, this is a kind of crappy situation. She probably feels bad. You know, don't hate her for it kind of thing. Just, you know, just try to like work with her and like, Figure out what's going on, what's the best route for you guys, right? You don't need to make it like this, like a like massive big deal. Just, you know, just try to solve the issue, all right? Feel free to become a member. Support this in the description. Check out 40inbox.com to master your money. Personal finance lessons, personal finance courses. Contact us with your personal finance question or story. Disabled veteran trying to figure out the next step to wealth. I've scoured the internet looking for some advice for my unique situation, but haven't found exactly what I'm looking for. I'm a 36-year-old, 100% permanently disabled vet in Dallas. No kids, no wife, just a fur baby. I'm guessing it's probably like a German Shepherd or Husky, because for some reason a lot of vets love German Shepherds and Huskies. So I receive a VA disability every month for the rest of my life. I currently receive $3,146 per month for this year, non-taxable. I part-time part-time, and I average $2,400 per month from that. I also do DoorDash, Uber, and average $800 per month from that. I pay $800 for rent, utilities included, for my sale, $160 for car insurance, and $80 per month for various other things. I'm guessing ramen pigs again. A lot of vets like ramen. (laughs) That's about it for expenses because I do gig work to cover food, gas, entertainment for the month. I'm very frugal. I have no debt. I just hit my goal of having $15,000 in my checking account for emergencies or other large expenses that may come up. 
I own a car worth $6,000, another worth two k can't sell right now, and I have two k in a brokerage account. I was terrible with money before the pandemic, but it really forced me to get my money right. Which, you know, that is a good thing about, like, the good side about the pandemic, that depending on how you reacted to it, a lot of people ended up doing a lot better with their money. Now I'm in a good position to aggressively invest, but I'm not sure where. I don't have a 401k or IRA. I don't really understand them, but I don't want to have money. I can't touch until I'm 59 and a half, since time on earth isn't promised and I can always fall back on my disability income, social security, and free health care through the VA if I go boobies up. I'm concerned about inflation and I want to eventually hedge by buying real estate. I have VA loan entitlement, which is no money down, no PMI. No property taxes and no funding fees since I'm 100% disabled in Texas. The problem is the market is stupid hot and overvalued here and I can't compete right now with so many cash buyers. I will likely have to wait several years for the market to hopefully cool or crash to compete with other buyers. I've thought about throwing everything I can into my brokerage account to save for the day I can compete to buy a house, but I'm concerned about getting tied up in a long bear market. My ultimate goal is to retire in 10 years to another country with a cheaper cost of living, but have doubled the monthly cash flow of my disability income so I can live comfortably. Any advice is greatly appreciated. So the answer for this situation. Hey, human with a fur baby, which again, I'm going to assume is like a German Shepherd or Husky because... A lot of military guys like Huskies and German Shepherds. I hope are I hope you're doing well health wise and making the fur baby super duper fat. Not like not like super fat to the point where like you've seen those like videos of like that dachshund or like yeah, I think that dachshund that was like two hundred pounds, not that fat, you know. But you know, a little chub on their stomach is always kind of funny. So the first thing you have to make sure if is how solidified is the 100% disability. And what I mean by this is you got to make certain that you are guaranteed that 100% disability even if you were to work and all this other stuff doing part-time, full-time because the VA is super weird on how they do their things and there's just like a lot of things around it that's kind of like iffy. So that's something I would want to make certain of, right? So do you work in part-time? gig work, et cetera, it may actually be affected. I'm not 100% certain about that. But to my knowledge, since it's a 100% military disability, you probably should no matter get that amount you're supposed to get and tax-free to boot, which is great. And again, going off memory, I believe you get that no matter what, no matter if you end up working like working a job and end up getting like a hundred grand per year and all that kind of stuff, or you could end up becoming like a doctor, lawyer, all this other stuff, creating your own business, making a crazy amount of money. I think you're still supposed to be getting that because it's almost, I think supposed to be similar to like a retirement for a lot of um, military vets that end up getting a hundred percent disabled. And the reason why I say that is because I'm talking from personal experience. I have family members who have some form of, military disability not necessarily a hundred percent but they still have like disability and they still get that full amount re- 
regardless of basically how much they're making. So just make like 100% certain that that is the case. So once we make certain of that, because that is your foundation of security per se, then let's tackle the other things. You're making good money from all your sources of income. Texas is a low cost of living state. Yes, houses are in a crazy market. Yes, because you are 100% disabled, the VA loan is actually a good option for you. But, and I do mean but, you mentioned your main goal is to eventually retire to a country with a lower cost of living. You have $15,000 in savings. And if the disability you get is secured for the rest of your life until you die, plus on top of that social security later on, this may be something you can actually just go do right now. For example, what is stopping you and your fur baby to maybe move into like Singapore or maybe Thailand? And I mentioned Singapore because you only have to pay a 10% in taxes on income so you have investments or another income stream you might not have to pay anything unless you work some sort of job when you're over there to obviously like you know just pay for maybe like your rent or like a house payment or you know your basic needs over there where you don't have to even touch your you know disability or investments or any or your even emergency fund or anything like that right so if your main goal is to live in a low cost of living country, I would personally just move right now or within this year or until my emergency fund felt comfortable, right? I mean, that's personally what I would do because I don't really see what's really stopping you from just going to do that right now, right? And again, the whole thing against, you know, the hedge against the uh, inflation, I kind of want to go into a house and then all this other stuff, right? To me... Again, you could do whatever you want. To me, if I knew that my main goal was to move to a different country in the next 10 years, I personally probably would not buy a house. And the reason for that is because, I mean, technically you could buy a house and potentially, you know, end up, you know, selling it for a profit and all that kind of stuff, right? But if you want the ability to like basically within that 10 year time frame to be able to just like pick up and move to that country that you're planning on so that you don't necessarily have to wait 10 years i honestly would just put your money instead into like index funds or mutual funds i mean there's plenty of index funds and mutual funds that have a track record of like the past 10 15 even 20 years of averaging over an eight percent annual return right which will be inflation so i mean i think i saw some like 10 11 percent which is pretty amazing so just keep that in mind there's another option for you to invest to kind of hedge against inflation while still having the ability to just you know keep living the way that you're living collecting cash all that kind of stuff but again i just don't personally see a reason why you just can't just go do that right now right at least to me the only thing is you got to understand that in other countries the property laws and property rights are a little bit different so you might be in a situation where you could technically pay the rights for like a really like i think for example i think there's a a country i forget what it's called 
but it is an Asian country. And you technically aren't allowed any land rights, but you can basically lease a property for like 20, 30 plus years. Basically, like in the sense that you're buying it for like your lifetime. And some of these properties are basically looking like mansions or like super modern, like super like, you know, vacational kind of like properties for practically nothing per month because of where it's located. And it's like a super low cost of living. You can get every like get to everywhere with like a moped, which costs basically nothing. You could have your dog there in like your basically mansion and like living super cheap. And not really have to worry about anything. So that's something to think about, right? Like, I mean, in some places in the world, you could end up living basically in a mansion, like by the beach with your dog for practically nothing. But you don't have any, like, land rights. But you could end up living that type of lifestyle for the rest of your life for pretty cheap, right? Your internet might kind of be sucky, right? But... You know, who knows? So just keep that in mind. Like, do some research on it because you could probably find, like, a super-duper nice location for a pretty cheap amount of money per month. And you might have to put, like, you know, maybe, like, you have to put down, like, ten or 15000 or 20000 Or you might just have to pay, you know, a couple hundred bucks per month for the next 20, 30 years and just live that sort of lifestyle. Like, just do some research on it, right? Like, be very, very... Uh, diligent in your research and make sure that like you know people have done this before these are the locations and all that kind of stuff because there are options out there and you could most likely do that right now feel free to become a member support this in the description check out 40 bucks.com to master money personal finance lessons personal finance courses contact us with your personal finance question or story And make sure to check out all the money tools in the description and all that kind of stuff.